Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday, November 25th, 2016, here on the Patriots Beat Podcast, presented to you by Indokino. The Patriots took down the 49ers 30-17 to in Brady's return to the Bay, but we welcome in Joe Caparoso, Kevin Duffy, and one more special guest to break down Jets Week. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Patriots Beat. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. It is episode number 151 of Patriots Beat here on CLNS Radio. Go find us on clnsradio.com, on Twitter at CLNS Radio, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Ladies and gentlemen, first of all, happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the the best holiday season of the year. This, This is my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving. Recording this Wednesday so I can take my Thanksgiving off. So to honor the the great foundations of Thanksgiving, what make it so real, I am proud to, for the first time, I've been podcasting since I was 13, but for the first time ever, I am proud to welcome in the, the man who taught me sports, my father, Stu Rubenstein, onto the podcast today to talk a little Patriots. Welcome to the Patriots Be Podcast, Dad. The Thanksgiving show, I'm honored. The Thanksgiving, this is great. So we have a big game coming up this week against the New York Jets, or I should say the Patriots have a big game coming up this week against the New York Jets. You know, it's Jets rivalry week. We have um, Joe Caparoso from Turn on the Jets, uh, the big Turn on the Jets, uh, excuse me, blog. And then we also have Kevin Duffy coming on later as well to kind of break down those things. But for now, we're going to give you a little Rubenstein double team of what we're going to see this week against the New York Jets. We could talk about the San Francisco 49ers game, but here, here, here's the summary. Ready? Tom Brady's a god. They only scored 17 points. That's it. And the defense, they held up. Yeah. Like they, they held up. They did something. So, yeah. Dad, I want to hear from you. You've experienced way more Patriots-Jets games mm. than I have. This Jets team has to be one of the most disappointing ones to ever have ended up to at this point of the season, what what do you see with this whole Jets team? Do you like the do you like this matchup, or are you, the, the, are you still shaking in your boots? Well, it's Jets Patriots. Like every Jets Patriots game, you think it's going to be a blowout. It either winds up being forty four to nothing or a nail brighter, 
And the Jets can always surprise you, so I never take the Jets or any divisional game um, too lightly. So it's Jets week, and unfortunately without our friend uh, um, Mr. Ryan, who's up in Buffalo, it's a little bit more boring than it normally would be. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens. I love how they went from Rex Ryan, the the illustrious, you know, gallivanting, you know, kind of coach to Todd Bowles, who I'm not sure has ever had his voice go above the octave of three in his entire life. That man just sits around and is a very quiet, you know, inside kind of guy. They they say he's different in the locker room, but I'll believe it when I see it on the football field because, to be totally honest, Dad, we, we talked about this in the car driving up. He's completely lost control of this team. Muhammad Wilkerson's not showing up to meetings. <coughs> Excuse me. Ryan Fitzpatrick is forcing the starting job back. Brandon Marshall is acting like a kind of like a child again. The, the Revis doesn't even try anymore. I, I don't get it. Why is this Jets team is so talented, yet they're so bad? I don't I don't get it. What happened to this team? And what about the defensive line coach, Pepper Johnson, just you know going crazy on the sidelines? Former so, Patriot. And former Bill Belichick protege at um at you know with the Giants. So I will I will always say that one of the one of the biggest regrets I think of Bill Belichick's career was not giving the defensive coordinator job after Cornell left to Pepper Johnson. He gave it to Patricia and everyone was kind of confused. Because Pepper Johnson had been there since the early 2000s, and then they give it to this guy who started as a random defensive intern in like 2006, and all of a sudden he's leading the Pats defense to a Super Bowl. I think that kind of left a bad taste in Pepper's mouth. Yeah, well, I think Belichick likes a little more low-key, cerebral-type coaches. You look at all the coaches that have kind of come in through, came in through him, came up through the system. He just likes a different type of less emotional you know, Bill O'Brien was like one of those one of those weird ones that was very emotional, very fiery, not a Super Bowl, but Patricia, McDaniel, you know, Romeo Cornell, uh, Charlie Weiss, very cerebral, very playbook-oriented guys. So maybe that was the difference. One of the things in the headlines that we've seen this week has been this whole Josh McDaniels – we'll get back to the Jets game, but uh, I, I like what we're talking about the coaches here. We were talking about the – you know, we've seen a lot of the Josh McDaniels stuff. Uh, this week with, you know, is he going to take a coaching job at the end of the offseason? And then we heard reports that he wants to stay and be Bo Belichick's protege or or something. And now he's not on the list of suggested coaches. And then McDaniel said he was going to call and get it all worked out. It's all kind of a mumbo jumbo. Who knows what's going on? I thought he was going to end up with the New York Giants last year. I thought that was the perfect place for him. And still an offense. Uh, Odell Beckham, big market. But now... Like, is there a team in the NFL that he would want to leave the Patriots for? I mean, the only team I can think of is maybe the Green Bay Packers, but would you want to leave Tom Brady and the Patriots for the Packers right now? Well, I mean, it all depends on where you think Aaron Rodgers is in his career, right? If Mm -hmm. you think Aaron Rodgers is in the kind of the twilight of his career, you don't go there because Mm -hmm. you're then back into a Denver rebuilding process. And you're looking at the next two, the next Tim Tebow is going to be, mm-hmm. he's going to draft. I think he's playing hard to get. I think this whole act is about McDaniel basically making himself a little bit more, I should say, a little less available. Mm-hmm. And that might make offers come his way. That might just be a little bit more money, maybe a little bit um, far-reaching for him. So I just think he's playing a little bit hard to get. He's being a little bit aloof. And trying to make himself maybe the uh, we'll call him the Nima Marcus of the assistant coaches, <laughs> and um, you know that's the only way I can think about it. Because why else would he would he take himself out of contention? I don't think there's a deal out there at all that's going to say 
you know, hey Josh, you got you got the Patriots gig when when Bill Belichick retires, and who knows when that's going to be. So I always think that Bill Belichick, the coach, is going to retire before Bill Belichick, the GM. I think Belichick's going to try to GM until he's in into his mid seventies. Whether or not he keeps coaching for that long, I remember. I think I I've always thought that he'll stop coaching once Brady retires because. Think about it. Brady wants to play until he's 45. At this point, there's no reason not to believe him. I totally believe him. He's doing things at 39 years old that people at 33 years old shouldn't be able to do in football. And you, you see Belichick as the GM. It, if there's one thing that he is, you know, you want to call him ruthless, whatever. He's consistent. And his consistency has helped this Patriots team kind of come along, but we're going to lead this back into the Jets game. But however, his consistency at the same time has also started to hurt the team. We saw that the past two weeks, whether it was Sean Drawn uh, a couple of times in the 49ers game, CJ Proceis, uh against uh, when they played the Seahawks, now they go into a game with the Jets, both Bilal Powell and Matt Forte, two of the better pass-catching backs mm-hmm. in football. They, I, w- I will be very clear about this. They have nobody at the linebacker position that can cover either of those two. Donta Hightower is a defensive end playing middle linebacker. Landon Roberts yep. c- can't cover his own shadow. Kyle Van Noy can only rush the passer. And Barkevius Mingo should be nowhere near the defensive side of the ball right now. How do, how do they stop these well, guys out of the backfield? Yep. Well, you know what Bill's going to do. Bill's going to take Brendan Marshall out of the game. Mm-hmm. And the way the Jets going to have to attack now is going to have to be with those running backs. They don't have a really great tight end. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to attack with those running backs against the linebackers of the Patriots. And if there's, there's going to be a way that the Jets can win, it's going to be a couple turnovers on defense mm-hmm. and get those running backs out in, out into space, taking on the linebackers. That's, I think, the way they've got to attack this, this game. And then on the offensive side of the ball for the Pats, you know, no Gronkowski probably for the second week in a row. It, it isn't official official as we're recording this. There are rumors that he might not play, but then he practiced today, and Kevin Duffy says he's not going to play. So I'm kind of on his side with that one. I don't think they should force him if he has any sort of – nicked up thing they shouldn't touch him at all but at the same time Deion Lewis is back yep. and Deion Lewis has looked great I would he looked great in the game against the 49ers you know not Cowboys game great from like week five of last year but I think that you know they have done such a good job this year managing injuries and I think that's one of the reasons that they've been so good is that you don't realize how many players on this team are dealing with injuries or who are hurt we didn't even realize Chris Hogan was injured until he didn't play last game he was a little banged up, but we didn't realize that he was going to miss maybe maybe a game or two. Yeah, but he was he was on you know the the injury report mm-hmm. every week, and he did miss a couple practices along the way. So mm-hmm. I just think they gave him the week off to get to get healthy. My my favorite thing is with the Boston sports media. So Brady was listed on the injury report this week with uh, you know he has the quad knee injury thing. And he didn't practice today. And everyone flipped out. Oh, is he going to miss the game against the Jets? And they're like, no, he's he's just resting. He doesn't need to practice. <laughs> and, he, and he moved around on a, on a wet surface in the middle of rainstorm, you know, like a gazelle out there, <laughs> avoiding avoiding hits, avoiding tackles, and making unbelievable throws on the run. So. Have you ever seen – Have you, all right, you've watched Brady since his inception. I, I have too, but obviously my – Active memory does not span as far back as your does when it comes to this Patriots team. Is is besides 2007 because 
I, I still believe and will always believe that that's the greatest quarterback season that's ever happened and it's ever going to happen. No one's ever going to be that dominant again. Peyton Manning's 56 touchdown season was a complete fluke. He did an amazing, he did, you know, he threw like he threw the ball like 150 more times than Brady. He had way more weapons despite him having uh, Welker and Moss. But again, besides 2007 Brady, is is this the best version of Tom Brady we've ever seen? And, and like, is this the best version of Tom Brady you've ever seen? Well, he's you know he's got a, he's back to having more than three weapons. Mm-hmm. So he has lots of different places to go with the ball. He's got guys who fight to get open, as Malcolm Mitchell showed, you mm-hmm. know, against the 49ers. But I think the most important thing that you see with Brady now, compared to Brady in the past, was he actually makes downfield plays on the run. Where before he would make a lot more mistakes on mm-hmm. the run. I think that's the big difference right now. He's gotten better moving than he than he was back when he was a younger quarterback. So do you, so we'll, we'll one last question for you. Then we'll take a break and we'll come back. Uh, we'll take our first commercial break. Do you think that Tom Brady, despite missing, let's say he f- cleans out the rest of the season, just you know, c- continues the ridiculous pace he's on. Is he, is he, in your opinion, the league MVP over Elliott or over Derek Carr? I, I, I hate even talking about that. There's so much time between now and the end of the year. Who knows about injuries? Who knows about what happens with Dak Prescott? Right now, Dak Prescott is the MVP in the you league. You think so? Wow. Absolutely. I no doubt. Because I love it. Look at Dallas last year compared to Dallas this year. The only difference, Tony Romo went down, and now they have Dak Prescott mm-hmm. other than you know, Brandon Whedon and the host of other people. They Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott is the MVP right now only because he replaced the guy that no one else could replace before this year. Fair That's enough. just my opinion. Fair enough. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll have more Rubenstein and Co. <laughs> I guess Rubenstein and Co. Rubenstein and Son when, when we come back. Are you looking for the perfect gift? Let me tell you about Omaha Steaks and about how for only $49.99, you can get my family gift pack when you go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code BEAT in the search bar. That's 77% off your next order. Omaha Steaks offers unique gifts for gourmet food lovers. You get a great steak experiences at home, the most flavorful tendered aged beef, plus seafood, poultry, pork, veal, and lamb, plus veggies, desserts, appetizers, pasta, soup, seasoning, sauces, and so much more. You have over 500 gourmet gift ideas with the highest quality cuts and ingredients with a one-of-a-kind flavor. Convenient and quick shopping for those on your list. Age for 21 days to unlock the full flavors of the cuts. They're hand-trimmed, vacuum-sealed with some online recipes and wine pairings and so much more. I actually used them the past weekend when my parents visited my apartments. We enjoyed cooking up those steaks together. Had some great recipes on top of it as well, all given to us by the fellas at Omaha Steaks. So right now, Omaha Steaks is giving an exclusive savings just to my listeners. Listen to everything that you will get for less than $50. Two filet mignons, two top sirloins, two boneless pork chops, four boneless chicken breasts, four kielbasa sausages, four burgers, 12 ounces package of all beef meatballs, four potatoes, au gratin, four caramel apple tartlets, one Omaha State seasoning package, plus you get four additional kielbasa sausages for free. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter my code BEAT, B-E-A-T in the search bar. Add the family gift pack to your cart and get 77% savings. It's a gift guaranteed to be a hit. Alright, welcome back. Still here with uh, my dad, Stu Rubenstein, the, the the creator of my love of sports and the, you know, the only reason I'm still a Boston sports fan, despite us living in Baltimore for the majority of my life. 
It's, you, yeah, I don't know. I think that was a, a setup, just you know, to toughen me and my exterior to make me learn the hardships of being a Boston sports fan, despite them having unheralded success for an entire decade, was to put me in Baltimore and have people yell at me. Thank you, I, I appreciate that. At one. least you're in the glory days. You know, you weren't in the dark days with me. So I'll, I'll give you that one. <clears throat> so speaking of the dark days, uh, the the uh, dark days, I should say, for the Jets. This Jets team. Currently sits at I want to mm. say let's see the Dolphins are six and four, which means the Jets must be sitting at three and seven. I think that's right. Three and seven with wins this year, I believe, mm. over only the Browns. I want to say they beat Buffalo, and who else did they beat? They beat some. Oh, they beat all. Oh, they beat the Bengals. I'm not sure, but either way, this this Jets team is bad. This is a bad Jets team. And they they don't have themselves together on offense. They aren't giving Bryce Petty the starting job, which in my opinion they should do. I think Bryce Petty had a you know me and me and you watched him in, or you and I should, whatever we watched him in college. Yep. He looked great. You know he's a awesome. great pocket passer. He's a great arm. Even if he you know he's Big Twelve accuracy as I like to call it. But the guy's a slinger. If you give him the ball, he can really throw the ball around. But. Here we are again, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the Patriots' usual enemy. I, I can't even remember the first time that we played him in Buffalo. I mean, my, my favorite, my favorite Ryan Fitzpatrick memory was is one of my favorite games of all time. It was Patriots Bills in Buffalo. The final score ended up being 38-35 Patriots. It was the Fred Jackson game. Remember the Fred Jackson game where Fred Jackson had like 200 total yeah, yards yeah. and three touchdowns. Oh, that was that was an incredible game. But there is no Fred Jackson on this Jets team. It's Matt Forte and Bilal Powell. I I I, I like how this Pats defense matches up. Uh, but despite what I said before about the lack of pass covering uh, linebackers, I really think that this cornerback crew really figured itself out on not on a play-by-play basis but one thing I noticed a lot uh, when I rewatched the game they communicated so much better despite except Mm -hmm. for the worst touchdown I've ever seen Devin McCourty give up to Vance McDonald Devin McCourty should never be giving up touchdowns to Vance McDonald but I think it's a it's it's interesting to see that this secondary last week really started to communicate better among themselves do you think we'll see more of that in the Jets, or do you expect another jumble? Like, they're in New York. They, they, it's going to be a tough game no matter what. Well, it's going to be a noisier stadium, number one. It was, <laughs> it was, it was basically like— Yeah, you, know, you were there. Right. It was, it was like a, a funeral going on in, you know, other, when, other than when they were chanting Brady. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think, listen, I think they have better weapons in New York than they had in San Francisco. The only, only receiver other than, you know, um, um, Chris Harper— was Rod Streeter, you know, <laughs> who the hell is he? He committed a penalty. Right. That's about so, all he did. So there, there's really no no, but no talent on offense on San Francisco. So they have a little bit little bit better weapons in, in New York. We'll see how they take Brandon Marshall out of the game. We'll see how they cover the slot with Quincy. And then we'll see how they cover the backs out of the backfield. So it, it will be more of a test this week. You do have a quarterback than when he's on. Can, can get the ball to he's the guys. Like, yeah. um, but it's all going to come down to, you know, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you let him sit back there, he's going to pick you apart. You got to be aggressive. You got to get him moving, and more importantly, you got to get him thinking on the run because he doesn't think very well on the run and he makes mistakes. Does and Does Jabal Sheard play this week? I think Jabal Sheard will be active, uh-huh. and I think he's going to have to earn his way back into the starting rotation. I, I mean, that, Trey Flowers is playing like Trey Flowers is playing well. He's played well. well. Yep. Like, they, they're like, oh, we need someone to replace Jabal Sheard. And Trey Flowers is like, all right, I look sick. I look sick in preseason. I'm going to get another sack against the Niners. That's like 
four sacks in three games? Five sacks in three games for him? Jabal Shear is fighting for playing time with, with Long and Ninkovich right now. Yeah. And Nick- I think Trey Flowers is, 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 their, is their, their best pass rushing what, What's going on with Rob Ninkovich? You're the world's biggest Rob Ninkovich fan. And I, I'm sorry. He, he's been bad. He's been bad. He, he's not making plays. All he does, all he used to do is make plays. So, he's not making plays. Again, he's a year older. Uh-huh. And like I've always told you, talent just doesn't disappear slowly over time. Talent and football players goes from a high level and all you need to lose is a step. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you're no longer making plays. You're no longer finding, you're, you're trailing guys rather than leading guys. Yeah. So for a guy like Nikovic, he could have lost a half a step while he was out, mm-hmm. and you know that that's the big difference right now. But he does not; he's not as explosive off the ball. He looks smaller. Yeah, I don't know if it was the injury. So he, between the size and the quickness, I think he's a different guy right now. Mm-hmm. And it could be he lost the time during his training camp. Um, I, I I I really don't know. Next, I think over the next few weeks we'll tell. He may not be on the team next year. Ooh, so stunning, stunning prediction. Well, well, one guy who I think is going to do a good job replacing him is Kyle Van Noy, who looked great against the 49ers with his selected playtime. He said that he's way happier being a pass rusher like he was in college. I bring this up with Kevin Duffy later about how he, he just seemed, he said he was happier as a pass rusher. They used him wrong in Detroit. So now we have Van Noy off the edge with Flowers, Sheard coming back. Chris Long has been, has been point. Oh, one milliseconds away from making so many plays this year, but it's just never been. He just, he's so close, but just never makes it. it it's so aggravating to watch him play right now. Cause you can tell, he, you can tell he's 31. You can see where his athleticism and power used to be mm-hmm. when he came out of Virginia Tech as the number two pick, but it's not there anymore. It's gone. Right. He's a different player. Yeah. Vinoy has, um, he looked to me, uh, like he was a little bit more explosive off the ball than, mm-hmm. Um, what the Patriots, you know, had there previously, other than when, when Jamie was there, obviously. Um, you could almost see him in that old Bruce Irvin mode when he mm-hmm. played with the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Bring him in, just, you know, let him, you know, head down, go rush the passer. We'll see if that's a, a good role for him. Um, but they still need, you know, some better coverage play out of their linebackers. I mean, they'll get, they'll figure out, Patricia and Belichick will figure out a way to get pressure. They got to figure out a way to cover these backs mm-hmm. out of the backfield because, the backs in the playoffs are usually going to be your best backs, whether it's Bell or um, you know the, the 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 two guys from Oakland the other night. Yeah, Richard, Richard, and leaving uh, Latavius Murray. Murray is a yep. is a that guy is scary. You yep. like you give him the ball in open field because you remember he's huge. Yep, he's a big dude and he can run over you. So I think that's Dante's guy. That's the perfect running back for Dante Hightower to cover. But we'll see. So Dad, before we let you go, give me your final prediction for this game. How do you see it playing out? What's your score prediction, and then we'll let you get out of here. But I think I think it's going to be a Patriots um, win. I can't, I just can't see a scenario where the Patriots go into New York with this team, especially, um, and lose. Especially now, I think that Belichick will, uh, you know, get their attention on defense finally. So I think it's more going to be like a 28-13, 28-17 type game. I think mm-hmm. it's a you know touchdown or better for the Patriots, and I think you're going to see hopefully. Um, more Dion Lewis, mm-hmm. more two back offenses, mm-hmm. and we'll see how that goes. And hey, do you know what? As as the world's biggest now biggest James White fan, I'm happy that they're going to be crushing it with with, uh, with both of them. But Dad, thank you for going on the podcast. It's been a blast. Thanks this for having great. me. This is great. We're going to take one more quick commercial break, and then it'll be time for our featured or excuse me, our behind enemy lines segment for the week, featuring uh, Joe Caparoso of Turn on the Jets. So we'll be right back. 
we get into our featured guest segment of the week, which is going to be Doug Kide, the Patriots beat writer from Nesson. Just want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I use Blue Apron a couple of times uh, since I've moved into my apartment in Boston. It's really great. It's pretty cheap. It uh, allows me to get all the ingredients for the different, uh, uh, for the different mass uh, meals I cook for myself being a college student, so I definitely recommend it. You know, you can get less for less than $10 per meal. Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows when you cook, you need incredible ingredients. You can make some incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So a couple new things that they have. They have a variety. They have new recipes are created weekly and not repeated within a year, so choose your meals from a variety of recipes or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. They also have flexible or easy. The flexible is when you can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences and then the easy, which each meal comes with a step by step, easy to follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash patriots. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash patriots. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we will be joined by Doug Kide, the Patriots beat writer from Nesson. Are you sick of... Welcome back into Patriot Speed. It's now time for our featured guest segment. This week, we are honored to welcome in Kevin Duffy. I apologize for the poor sound quality. Both Kevin and I were traveling and on the road, so we had to do a normal phone call. But Kevin, we have just seen a pretty incredible thing happen for the New York Jets. They're somehow starting Ryan Fitzpatrick again this week. Break this down for me. What do you see out of Fitzpatrick this weekend? Well, I, I agree with you that it's, I mean, as Belichick noted today in his press conference, these are usually close games. Uh, you can almost use the cliche of uh, throw the records out the window. I mean, the Jets have played the Patriots pretty tough in recent years, and even in years where they haven't been that good. And this year, I thought that I thought they were definitely the second best team in the AFC East coming into the season, just on paper. I like their roster. I thought, you know, I, I love their team last year. They just missed the playoffs. They just a lot of things didn't go their way. Uh, they had poor quarterback play early from Fitzpatrick, who obviously missed basically the whole off season. And they had a brutal schedule in like the first six or seven weeks of the year, and they just never, they never could quite get on track. But they're still a talented team, and on the road, it's still not going to be an easy win um, for the Pats. And I mean, I I still like the the Fitz Brandon Marshall uh, hookup. I think Marshall's one of the toughest covers in the NFL, so I think the Patriots will. Uh, this is not. Well, I'll just say it like this: it's not the Niners they're playing. They're a much better team, I think. And, you know, this this Patriots defense obviously looked, I, I guess you could say, better against the 49ers. But, again, like you said, it's the 49ers. But with all the mm-hmm. coverage problems they've been having, you know, do you see the Jets flipping them up despite their offensive woes this year? Uh, maybe. I mean, the, the, the Pats defense wasn't – it was, as you said, it was better against the Niners. It, it was shaky in the first half, and I think they settled in. And once they built the lead, they – kind of ramps it up a little bit. Uh, I think they're still tinkering with some of their personnel. And in the next couple of weeks, they're going to want to settle on, on who they want to use and where they want to use them. So I think that applies to the cornerbacks, uh, especially against a team like the Jets. 
you'll probably see Eric Rose start again. You'll probably see that Logan Ryan as the third corner. I think they like Rose size against uh, big wide receivers. And then in terms of how they're going to use Kyle Van Noy and Shane McClellan and Landon Roberts and, and the guys who are, are basically piecing, they're piecing those guys together to replace Jamie Collins. So, uh, and of course the Allen Branch uh, situation looms too. He was at practice today. Um, suspension has not kicked in because he's appealing, but if, if he does end up missing time, they're going to have to figure out something there. So there's, there's definitely, uh, I don't want to say there's holes, but, there are there are certain question marks on the defense and things that they have to just establish some they have to establish some continuity at, at several positions uh, as the playoffs approach. So I think this week is just another step in in the direction of doing that. You mentioned the uh, you know Allen. I was going to say Atlanta Roberts this year or the past two games I should say has kind of been playing like a sixth round pick. What what mm-hmm. have you seen that's been different with him the past two weeks as opposed to the first half of the year? I don't know. It's, it's a good question because there, there definitely has been a difference. Uh, I guess you could point to, especially in the Seattle game, he had a much larger role. I mean, he played, I believe, like 58 of the 75 snaps or whatever, and he played a very high percentage of snaps against Seattle. He barely played against San Francisco, and he did not play particularly well when he did. Um, he Early in the year, what always flashed with him was, was his ability uh, against the run, to just get downhill, he's got good speed. He moves decisively. Uh, he made a few really impressive plays, like the, the play where he blew up Joe Thomas and basically pushed Joe Thomas into Isaiah Crowell to, to make a tackle in Week Five against the Browns. Uh, in recent weeks, it's been he's been more out in in coverage situations, and he hasn't fared very well in those situations. So while I think he athletically has a, I mean, he's fast enough to, to do that kind of stuff, do those things. He, he might still be learning to do them. I don't know how much he did of that in college. Um, so they, they're going to have to use multiple guys. I still think he's the best early down uh, linebacker next to Hightower, but they're going to have to play Van Noy and McClellan, and, and they're going to have to kind of piece together uh, basically the, the, the other linebacker spots to replace Jamie Collins. You know, the Van Noy said today, that's why, you know, the role he played when he was uh, in college. He was a pretty decent pass rusher, and then he comes in the league and the Lions use him as a 4-3 outside linebacker, and it just doesn't work at all. Do you think that he was uh, largely responsible for their uptick in pass rush last week, or do you think it was just an overall improvement of scheme? I think that... um... I, mean, I think the Patriots are using him the the right way, and and I think they made a concerted effort to last week to to get more guys after the passer. Uh, there were they, they certainly rushed. I think on Van Noy's sack, it might have been. I think they had six guys coming up at Colin Kaepernick. So they they were more aggressive in their play calling. And to someone like Van Noy, you could watch him and see that. I mean, he's got. There's a reason why he's a second round pick. Uh, he's got very good athleticism. There was one play where he dropped back in what looked like zone coverage, and Kaepernick scrambled to the right, and Van Noy basically made it from the the left hash all the way to the right sideline to force a Kaepernick throwaway. Uh, he really closed closely on him. So he's a guy who just, I mean, he's got talent. Uh, that's clear. Second round pick, and the Pats got him for next to nothing. So I think that they're gonna find ways to get him on the field because you know he's an athlete and you get guys like that on the field as much as you can 
Switching over to the offensive side of the ball, we, you know, at this point, it's not exactly clear whether or not Robin Kowski is going to play this weekend because the reports that he's still injured. And then today he got dressed and did what he was in conditioning or practice or whatever he was doing. Is, is he going to play this weekend? And do you think it's going to actually affect the actual outcome or is it just, you know, Gronk misses a week and they'll be fine? Um, I don't know. I mean, the report today was that he's not going to. Um, it's kind of weird if, if they had already made the decision not to play him. I don't know why he would be practicing on Wednesday, but it's possible that, that he would, I guess. Uh, I think that they're generally just going to be cautious with him. Look, they're 8-2. This is a game they should win with or without him. Uh, I don't really see a need to rush him back onto the field. Uh, you can look at the way they handled his hamstring early, their injury early in the year. They were extremely cautious with that. They they just don't – the Patriots, they they learned from last year that and although you can't you can't totally eliminate injuries, like it's there's a, a huge element of, of bad luck involved in injuries occurring, they want to take every step possible to make sure that those key guys are healthy as the playoffs approach because they were just too beat up. They're probably the best team in football last year, but they were just too beat up. So they want to take every step possible to make sure they're not beat up uh, like that this year. So I think if you set Gronk this week, uh, I don't think anybody's complaining. So with this uh, offense going against the Jets defense, who has been, you know, I guess the the best word you can use for the Jets defense has been greatly disappointing. I mean, Revis has gone from one of the best corners ever to one of the worst corners currently in football. <laughs> the defensive line is a, uh, you know, it's just a complete mess just, uh, for Leonard Williams, who's having a great year. So th- this just defense being arguably one of the three best in the NFL last year to this year being ranked as one of the three worst. Do you see this Jets defense or this version of the Jets defense holding up to this Pats offense with or without Gronk, or should this be as usual? No, well, yeah, I think the so the strength of the Jets defense is definitely in the defensive line and in the front seven. And they're from what I, I believe they're still like decent against the run. Uh, now the Patriots can beat you both ways. Legarrette Blount's had a great year, and they they've remained committed to to somewhat of a balanced offense. But the Pats are going to be able to to spread the field on them and just and throw it. I think, and they're going to have a lot of favorable matchups. So there's not there are not many defenses in the league that I think can you know limit the Patriots to say 20 points or even like 25, 26 points. Like this is a team that's going to score 28, 30, 35 any given week. And I definitely don't think the Jets are one of the teams that, that are going to shut them down. So uh, a couple more questions before we let you go. Deion Lewis last week really come on. Not, I don't want to say he looked like the same player. He's left because we haven't really seen enough of him. But, you know, he looked good. He looked he looked agile. He looked like he's usually involved himself. Do you think the snap count that they had on him last game or just with the three heads in or do you think they'll keep it consistent this week or do you see a little more Deion Lewis and a little less James White despite the great season James White's having? You would think that as you get closer to the playoffs, they're going to start to ramp up Lewis's um, snaps a little bit more and then by nature that would decrease James White's snaps because I think when you, you get in the playoffs you're going to want to play Deion Lewis a lot because he's your best player he's your best running back uh, certainly your best uh, pass catching back now you don't want him to 
I don't think you want to go from playing 20 snaps uh, in, in the regular season every week to to all of a sudden playing 55-60 in a postseason game. So I think they're going to want to gradually get him there. So what you're saying makes sense. I think it's it's possible that they could slowly inch Deion Lewis forward. Maybe he played, what, 20 snaps last week? Maybe 26, 27 this week. Uh, maybe a little bit more the next week. And then if they, if they lock up a first-round bye by week 17, you obviously don't play him in that situation, but uh, I would agree with you that that's probably the approach here. I think you're going to see a little bit more of Dion, a little bit less Chiefs play. So, they were originally going to be on Sunday night. We've been given the, the awkward 425 game, but I guess anything's better than the terrible clock games. It's for the first time this year. Give me your final uh, prediction you're looking for? Yeah. Uh, I think the Pats will, you know, it's kind of what we said at the beginning of, of, of this call. Uh, it's always, Jets just always playing tough. And the Jets, they don't really have much to play for anymore, but I still think that they have some talent on their team, and it's at their place. So I think it'll be a relatively close game. Um, I will go, I'll say Pats 27, Jets 17, kind of a game where it's not like, there's, there's never like the Jets are up by a lot, but there's never like the Pats are absolutely blowing them out either. So I, yeah, I think it'll it'll go in that direction. Um, you know, I, I like I like them to throw the ball a lot against the Jets. I don't know if they'll, you know, they, they have used Blunt pretty consistently this year, but I don't know if this will be a game where they hand it off to Blunt 20 times. I think it's going to be more spread them out and throw it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Jets could pose some issues uh, with their big receivers and Brandon Marshall and the way Forte and Bilal Powell can catch the ball in the backfield. So I think it's possible the Jets could string together some long scoring drives that could have Patriots fans concerned about the defense and all that. But ultimately, I do think the Patriots will prevail in a fairly close one. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Kevin. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game this weekend. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Harris. See ya. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of CLNS Radio, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice, and live on CLNSRadio.com immediately after every single Pats game. Call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter polls for the play of the game, and everything else that is going on with the four-time Super Bowl champions. Subscribe to the CLNS Radio New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher and the best way. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Welcome back into Patriots Beat. It is now time for our Behind Enemy Lines segment this week. We are honored to welcome in Joe Caparoso of the very popular Turn on the Jets sports blog. Uh, Again, I apologize for the poor sound quality due to my traveling through the barren parts of Pennsylvania and New Jersey. But Joe, let's get right into it. 
you know, it's just a Patriots week. So, you know, record goes out the window. Everything this season goes out the window. It's just Patriots. Obviously, not Sunday Night Football anymore, unfortunately. But it's going to be a pretty fun game nonetheless. But you've been pretty vocal on Twitter that that's obviously named uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as the starting QB. It's been a bad – it's been bad. It's been bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. What do you see from him going into this game? Well, I would say, first off, I think it is fortunate they moved this game out of prime time. As a Jets fan, from our perspective, uh, with Fitzpatrick, there's really no, no way to sugarcoat it. He's been the worst starting quarterback in the NFL this year. He's been flat out terrible. He's inaccurate. He turns the ball over at a ridiculously high rate. doesn't have the ability to push the ball down the field. Uh, I'm not saying that Bryce Petty with the world on fire against the Rams, but at least there is maybe some potential for him to develop and he has a bigger arm and it makes more sense to play a young quarterback when you're three and seven than playing a guy who won't be on the team next year. So there's a lot of understandable frustration from Jet fans about saying Fitzpatrick out there. I guess the, the argument being made on the other side would be that Fitzpatrick's a veteran, he knows the full playbook, he's beaten Ringland last year. He's beaten him previously in Buffalo. He won't be overwhelmed by the moment of playing New England, although Petty is overwhelmed by that. He should never be a quarterback there anyway. Uh, right. But, you know, no reason with Fitzpatrick and the center that the Patriots shouldn't be helping double-digit favorites in this game with how bad he's been this season. I feel bad for Bryce Petty. You know, he, he comes in out of Taylor. He has pretty decent college career. You know, Smith. Then they draft Hackenberg. So he's just in this weird middle ground of, like, not being the starter, but not being the backup, but not being developed. What do they want to do with this quarterback situation? Don't they? Well, uh, until Gino tore uh, his ACL, they were still planning on keeping four quarterbacks on the roster the whole year. Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a messy situation, and I, I don't really find much confidence in the decision to keep four quarterbacks. There's a reason no other team in the NFL is carrying four quarterbacks. You know, at some point, you have to make a decision on one of those guys, and they were unable to do that in the preseason. They kept Gino as the backup, and really bench Fitzpatrick for him, and Gino would probably still be the starter if he didn't tear his ACL. Uh, with Petty, again, I mean, he was a fourth-round pick, so, I mean, I, I don't know if you're ever really expecting a fourth-round pick to be anything but a competent backup for you, but they sort of immediately moved right on to Hackenberg, another middle-round pick, although obviously it was a little higher in the second round the year after. So I, I don't think Petty's ceiling is any higher than a backup at this level, but now is the time to make sure of that. And just to get as much tape as possible on Petty and Hackenberg at the end of this year, which is a lost season, to help inform the decisions that they're going to make next offseason when Fitzpatrick and Gino are basically 100% gone. they got to figure out if Petty or Hackenberg is not next year or they've got to go get another veteran. I mean, hey, you know, the, the, the draft pick of Jason Morrow didn't really turn out the way they're looking for either. They're still looking for that, that tight end. But one guy on the Jets offense that actually has had a pretty good season has been Quincy Inunua, who's a guy that I think – could probably do some damage against this Patriots secondary. I mean, he seems like the perfect kind of guy that the Patriots have not been able to cover this year. What have you seen throughout his progressions this year into a, a pretty legitimate slot, uh, slot wide receiver? Yeah, he was been a fun guy to watch. I and mean, he could kind of play all over the formation. He was really the Jets, like, H-back last year. This year he's been playing more of a traditional wide receiver role with Eric Decker being hurt. And he's just you know, a physical athletic freak. He's a move-around formation. He's very tough to bring down after the catch. He's got a ton of size. Uh, the Jets simply don't get him the ball. Yeah, I mean, he's the kind of guy that you need to manufacture touches for, particularly on our offense, which is limited in their talent across the board. And he, he's really a big play guy who can make something out of nothing. You know, you saw him take the hitch route 
70 yards against the Ravens for a touchdown. You saw him against Brown, a crossing pattern break this pass and turn into a 30-yard touchdown. He's the kind of guy who could make something out of nothing and should be getting eight, ten targets for touches per game. So looking at the Jets on the defensive side of the ball, it's been a, an adventure this year for sure. I mean, the, the, the game against the Rams before their bye week, you know, it, giving up nine points against the Rams is kind of what the Rams season has been. But the, the Jets have been kind of a weird team on defense because they still have so much talent on that defensive line. Leonard Williams is still one of the best defensive line prospects I've seen come out. We've seen come out of college in years. But after a bye week to let everything kind of settle down, do you think this defense will have its pieces in order, or do you expect more chaos? Uh, it's been a disappointing year uh, for the defense. I mean, even if he's from the defensive line, uh, one of Williams has been terrific. Uh, he's been one of the few bright spots on the team. But Muhammad Wilkerson, whether it's coming off an injury, whether it's coming off a payday, it's been a huge letdown this year. He had a big deal in week one, and it's been basically invisible since. And then issues with discipline being late to meetings and walkthroughs, which is really disappointing for a guy who just gave a big payday to. And he really is their third best defensive lineman. It's frustrating that you put in $6 million into a guy who's not even better than Leonard Williams or Sheldon Richardson on your own roster. And that defensive line, for all the hype they get, does not consistently get enough pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and the Jets still have their issues with linebacker. Uh, a guy like Lorenzo Mall has been playing a little better on the edge the past few weeks, but they still don't have a consistent threat off the edge, which I feel like I've been saying for the past 20 years. They don't have that guy who's lying <laughs> on to get to the quarterback. Uh, and in the secondary, it's all kind of started with Darrell Leavis, who's been outright terrible this year. Not just terrible in coverage, but terrible with his effort level and his physicality. And I really think that's trickled down to a lot of the younger guys on the secondary who look up to a guy like Revis, a guy who is a first ballot Hall of Famer and a guy who a lot of them probably idolize coming up, bolting it around the field. And it's been a question from guys like Marcus Williams, Marcus Street, and Calvin Pryor, who have all taken steps back from last year. So there's been a little improvement over the past few weeks, but uh, the Jets are weak in the corner right now because Revis is so bad. Marcus Williams is banged up. The screen is really more of a slot corner, so they're overmatched at that position. So I've heard a lot. Also, I was going to say they could just exhume the, the corpse of Calvin Pace if they want to get some more sacks. But I think we're about five years uh, too far gone from that one. But, you know, I've heard a lot of, I've heard you say a lot of bad things about this Jets team. But have there been any sort of positives for them going into this past game? Or has it just been a whole calamity? Is Bowles leaving? Is everyone getting fired? Is this just one of those years for the Jets? I mean, I think Bowles is becoming an easy scapegoat for a lot of people. I don't think he'll be fired at the end of the year. I think it's a little overreactionary to fire head coaches 15 and 13 in his first 26 games, or Ryan Fitzpatrick as his quarterback. And per usual, when a team is doing bad, the problem is on one person. Look at general manager Mike Battaglia, some of the offseason moves he made. It didn't pan out. And, you know, still waiting for returns on some of these draft classes, namely at the quarterback position. I don't think a lot of people agree with the Bryce Petty and Christian Ackenberg pick. Obviously, we still need to see how those play out over time. But if those picks don't pan out very well, or those guys turn into a reincarnation of uh, Tosh Boyd and Eno Smith, I don't know how that's going to speak to McCagnon's um, <laughs> overall tenure here. But, yeah, it's just been. It's been a tough year. They lost a very close game week one against the Bengals team, but turned out not to be that good. They bounced back and had an encouraging win against the Bills, and then really got wiped out by a handful of teams, a mix of teams who are good and who are proven not to be that good. So, yes, you know, the Chiefs, Steelers, and Seahawks are quality teams. They just really got whacked by all of them, but, you know, the Cardinals, who are an under 500 team, beat them very easily. You lose to the Rams 9 6. You lose a winnable game to the Dolphins on a kick return. Uh, it's been frustrating. You could say that 
yeah, you know, if Nick Folk makes a kick week one, they don't allow a kick return. Uh, they're five and five right now. You could also say if Quincy Inouye doesn't make two ridiculous plays, they lose to the Ravens and Browns, and they're one and nine right now. So, you know, there's a reason they're thirty first in DVOA, and I think three and seven is about where they should be. So, looking at this game against the Patriots, uh, obviously, this this rivalry is one of the best in the NFL. You know, where I think we're on the four year anniversary now of the of the Thanksgiving butt fumble. But we've we're, we've moved on away from that. It's it it should be a pretty interesting game. This Patriots defense has been suspect to say the least this year. Brandon Marshall is the kind of guy that again, I, Malcolm Butler is having the best season of his career and has been one of the best corners in football. But the weakness of this past defense. For as long as I can remember, they can't cover these big wide receivers. And Brandon Marshall has given them fits ever since he's joined the AFC East. Do you see this Jets offense actually doing some pretty quality stuff against the pass defense? Or were you are you still up in the air about it? I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they made a couple plays through the air and moved the ball a little bit. Mainly thanks to Marshall and Adua, maybe winning some 50-50 balls on some of the patch corners. Uh, they're going to need Fitzpatrick to be the guy he was last year, not the guy he's been this year. Uh, I think that, I mean, you can make an argument that these games sometimes trend to be a little closer, even when the Patriots, you know, should be blowing them out. I, for this season for the Jets reminds me a lot of 2007. Uh, there's just a lot of parallels to, you know, that team, you know, uh, a rookie coach going 10 and 6 in year one and then coming back four and 12 year veteran quarterback falling off the stand chain. That would be your, obviously the Patriots are undefeated. And I think, Everybody thought in their late season matchup the Patriots were going to beat them like 60 to nothing because of the whole Spygate thing. And the Jets actually went to New England and only lost 20 to 13 somehow, despite being one of the worst teams in the league. So I'm hoping that they don't embarrass themselves and find a way to keep this 7, 10, 13 point loss. And the way for them to do that is to have a guy like Brandon Marshall or a guy like Quincy Nua make a couple plays. Those guys are special athletes and the kind of guys who can take a jump ball and turn into a 40, 50 yard touchdown and allow the Jets to sort of hang around for a while. So who does Revis cover on this Patriots offense? Because Edelman is a, is a pretty bad matchup for him, as is Chris Hogan. I, I guess Malcolm Mitchell would be a kind of a good cover guy for him. Who, how does this secondary matchup against the Pats this Sunday? I, I don't know if the Jets are going to have to follow anybody around. I, I don't think there's, you know, I, I think based on skill set, Mitchell is probably the best matchup for him. I, I don't think he tracks well for guys like Edelman and uh, Hogan. I don't think they're going to move him around to cover Edelman in the slot. Maybe if a guy like Bennett splits out wide, I can see that putting Lebus on him in certain situations. But he'll probably just stick to one side most of the game. And the Jets don't really have enough you know, pieces to kind of move around. I mean, their top three right. players this week will be uh, Revis, Buster Screen, and Daryl Roberts, the guy who spent some time with you guys, and actually it's been pretty good for the Jets. Uh, yeah, he's been great. Past few weeks. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, arguably been, been their best corner over the past month. Uh, and it's safety, you know, Calvin Pryor is really not a cover guy. Gilchrist uh-huh. has been a little better, but, you know, if Gronk doesn't play, which it sounds like he won't, obviously that helps the Jets a little bit. But what worries me as always is, uh, checking the ball down to guys like Deion Lewis and James White, who are going to be real tough for the Jets linebackers to match up with. And, you know, even with Gronk out, Bennett's a really tough matchup for the Jets defense, who have not shown a consistent ability to cover the tight end. So, you know, my hope defensively is that, look, you, hope, you know New England's going to move the ball, but make them put together 10, 12, 13 play scoring drives and try to tighten it up in the red zone and making them settle, settle for some field goals. And that could hopefully be a formula to keep this game competitive. 
So if this game does end up being competitive, what do you think our final score prediction will be? Because these games are always so tough to predict because you have no idea are the Patriots going to come out and blow them out or the Jets going to kind of stand up to them? Because this game, I'm pretty sure, is in New York, right? Yes. And, and the, the, you know, the Pats last year, that game in New York, uh, was one of the better games of the season last year. But, man, that, that, that Jets team last year is way different than this one. What's your final score prediction for this game? Uh, I Optimistically, I could see this being like a 27-17, 27-14 type game for New England. Uh, Worst-case scenario, you know, you're looking at like a 38-10, 38-13 game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets came out, hung tough for a half, and then ultimately New England – you know, puts together a couple of second half, you know, touchdown drives to really put them away. So I'll probably end up going to something like 27 to 14 or something like that. 27 to 14. Thank you, Joe Caparoso from Turn On the Jets, also the uh, VP of social platforms for Whistle Sports. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. I'll uh, enjoy the game this weekend. Hopefully, hopefully it won't be as bad as you keep talking. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. See ya. Are you sick of buying off-the-rack suits but are worried about spending too much on a fitted one? It's a shame because every man looks better in a suit. Indochino is the place for you. They make made-to-measure suits and shirts that fit you perfectly at an incredible price. They only use the finest fabrics, and you get to customize the details you want, including your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. So how does it work? Go and visit their Boston showroom at 85 Newberry Street. Pick from dozens of fabrics, colors, and patterns. Choose all of your custom whether it's your lining, your lapel, and more. Get measured by a style guide, kick back, relax, and get ready to step into a perfectly fitting suit in just four weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $389 when you mention code PATRIOTS at the Boston Indochino showroom. $800 made-to-measure suit for only $389. That's over 50% off. So go book your Boston showroom appointment at Indochino.com. Go to Indochino.com to book your appointment at their Boston showroom. And again, get any premium suit for just $389. When you mention code PATRIOTS, you won't beat this deal anywhere. So go out and get your suit today. It is now time for the Patriots Beat Pick of the Week. This week, I'm going back to the Tennessee Titans that I talked about last week. I love what they're doing on offense with DeMarco Murray uh, and Derrick Henry and Marcus Mariota and, and, of course, with Delaney Walker. I love seeing what they're doing on offense. They're going to be against the Bears this week, a very, very bad Bears team. We just lost Leonard Floyd to a nasty concussion. They're only four-and-a-half-point favorites, so I say take those points, put a little money on the Titans to beat the Bears in Chicago as they fight for that playoff spot and also to maybe take the division lead away from the Houston Texans. But that's going to do it for today's Patriot Podcast. Don't forget to listen to the Patriots postgame show. Call in 
929-477-2386. Listen live on CLNS Radio. Don't forget that I will be on uh, 15 minutes after every single Patriots game. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show is brought to you today by Indokino. Go to Indokino.com and use the promo code Patriots for more than 50% off a custom-made suit. Also sponsored by Omaha Steaks. <clears throat> Go to OmahaSteaks.com and use promo code BEAT for 77% off the family gift pack. And by Blue Apron. Go to BlueApron.com slash Patriots to get your first three meals free with free shipping. Music was provided by 209, or Hyde 209, I should say, and Joshua Remorse. Want to thank uh, my dad for coming on. Want to thank Joe Caparoso and Kevin Duffy as well. For Patriots content manager, Michael Longe, CLNS Radio Executive Producer, Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who turned in. This has been Harris Rubenstein, and this is the Patriot V Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio. Go follow me at CLNS underscore sports team, and have a great Thanksgiving weekend, everyone.